First Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 12. And Peter would write, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened unto you, but rejoice. I said, but rejoice. Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. And I might need to be turned down just a little. And I want to use just for a few minutes, and we'll be talking about trials tonight. Amen. Trials. Amen. Um, it doesn't matter what comes our way as a believer. Come on, God will deliver us. Come on. He has never failed one. But we must understand that things will come our way. When we give our life to Christ, it seems like at first, I mean, we're fired up, taking the world by the tail, ready to win the world. But then all of a sudden, a bump in the road appears. All of a sudden, a mountain appears. Sometimes it's a Red Sea. Sometimes it's a wilderness. Sometimes it's a famine. Sometimes it's a whatever you may call it. Trials will come to the Christian. But don't let trials besets you. It will hurt. You will go through things. But God is with you. Jesus said, I am with you until the end. And we will go through things. But listen, if your eyes is on Christ, if you're seeking God's will, it doesn't matter what you go through. God is in control. God is in control. There is trials that will come and go in our lives. One will come and it will pass. And that's one thing about every trial that you need to learn tonight. It shall pass. But then another one might come. And might is probably explicative here. I mean, it just is probably going to come. They'll go. They'll come, they'll go, they'll come. But one thing remains the same. Jesus is always there. Jesus is always there. We're going to talk about trials tonight. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy. Lord, we thank you for your presence, Lord. In and of myself, of ourselves, we are weak, we are insufficient. We need your presence. But we need you. We need your Holy Spirit, Lord. You said that he will reveal all truth. And Lord, we break the bread of life, your truth, your word tonight. And we ask that the Holy Spirit would reveal it. Lord, that you would send the comforter, Lord, to preach, to teach tonight. And that you would open our ears. And Lord, let it go and let it, Lord, be steeled and steeled in the storehouse of our heart. 
Lord, that when times of trials, of tribulation, of adversary, of storms will come, that we know that you are able to deliver us and that you are with us, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your saving grace and for your mercy. And everybody in here says, Amen and Amen. You know, I have to believe that when Peter, the apostle, when Peter was writing these words, when he was penning these words, that he knew multitudes of millions of billions would read these words. I have to believe in my heart that he was thinking back to a trial maybe that he went through. Because, you know, we're tested to bring about a testimony. Can I get a witness? We are tested to bring about a testimony. I remember one of maybe my first tests that I faced in my life. And as a young Christian... Sometimes it's hard when we face these things to not turn every direction and, and, and panic. It's hard. It's not easy. Come on, honey. Come on, honey. Come on. But I can promise you this. Your best dependence, your best answer, you can look everywhere, but it's always, without a doubt, Jesus Christ. Amen. With every problem, with every situation, Amen. excuse me, with every adversary that you face, Jesus holds your answer. Amen. I said He holds your answer. Amen. There is no doubt about it. Amen. And I'm thankful that we can stand on that, that we can know, that we can trust Him. Amen. I heard a preacher say that in the Old Testament, all they had to put their faith in was a promise. That's all they had. Abraham was promised by God if he would leave his country that his seed would be blessed. Amen. David was promised that as he, when he would take the throne, that if he would uh, work and, and lead the people in God's commandments according to his word, that he would be blessed. Isaac was promised that his seed would be blessed. Jacob was promised. It was a promise that they depended on. But I'm thankful in the new covenant that we don't just have a promise, but we have the cross. I said we have the cross. Every problem, every adversary, every trial was finished, was defeated at the cross. The Bible says Paul, he would write that your uh, past ordinance, all your sin that was once against you, the law of God that told you that you was unrighteous, the, the, the standard that you couldn't live up to. Jesus nailed it to his cross. And he took it out of the way. But not only that. Principalities and rulers of darkness. He spoiled them and made a show of them openly. At the cross. He finished the work. I'm thankful we don't just have a promise. We have a cross. Glory to God. We have a cross. Hallelujah. But trials will come. And I imagine, I have to think that Peter was possibly thinking back to the time in Christ's Passion Week when he would sit and dine with Jesus around the table with the other twelve. 
Jesus would tell the twelve that there is one of you in here that will betray me. Do what you're going to do. Do it quickly. And they was talking about Judas. Now get this. I'm going to compare Judas and Peter here tonight. Judas would go and he would sell Christ. He would betray Christ for 30 pieces of silver. Wow, so little. The same price of a slave. 30 pieces of silver. And he would go leave and Jesus would look to Peter and he would say, Peter, Peter, or Simon, Simon. He would look to him and I imagine, boy, when Jesus spoke that, I mean, right there, you made eye contact with him, you was looking at God. And he said, Satan has desired to have you. That he may sift you as wheat. That them words hit Peter like a like a boulder. Well, I mean, I, I I mean, you know, there there you know, maybe maybe some demon spirits were coming at me to 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 hinder me, to oppress me, but Satan himself think of that. That had to hit Peter like a rock. Peter would go, and I'll get to the next part of the scripture in just a moment. Peter would find himself where he never thought he would be. Amen. How many of y'all have found yourself where you never thought you'd be? <laughs> Come on now. Amen. We're all Christians. We won't tell anybody. How many of y'all have found yourself there? Amen. But how many know that even when you go there, God does not forsake you? Amen. Peter found himself standing following Christ as they would take him as Judas would bring the Roman soldiers and they would go into the garden of Gethsemane and Jesus would be praying all night long with Peter, James and John and they were asleep and they came and they seen these Roman soldiers come and Judas would come and he would kiss uh, uh, Jesus on the cheek and they would come and they would cease him. Peter was so mad that he took his sword out and cut one of the soldiers' ears off with it. But Jesus would get that ear and fix it and heal the man's ear. Peter loved Jesus. It was Peter that said that thou art the Christ. He said many people say I'm a prophet. Many people say I'm John the Baptist. But who do you say I am? Do you want to know what question is going to matter? When this life comes to an end, who do you say I am? It's not going to be who was your friends or what church did you go to. One thing's going to matter. Who did you say I am? I am Jesus. Peter would say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he would say, You have well spoken. And he would tell him that I'll build my church on this rock. He was talking about that rock being himself. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the rock. Peter loved Jesus. 
Peter was the one when the storm was raging, when the waves were boisterous and the wind was mighty and the lightning was striking, the thunder was clashing. Peter was the one that would step out of the boat and say, bid me to come to you. Even, even though it's a storm, even though it looks the water is rough, even though there's mountains, there's a storm, just let me come to you. I want to be with you. Just as Rita would minister last Wednesday, Peter would get out on the water and he would walk on the water to Jesus. And he would walk back to the ship as well with him as he would begin to sink. Peter loved, but he found himself in a place that he never thought he'd be. As they would take Jesus in to try him, that he would hang on a cross. Peter would be on the outside, warming by the fire. And they would say, wait a minute. Wasn't you one of those that followed him? Wasn't you one of the twelve that we watched? You were one of those that he gave power to, to go out and lay hands on the sick, to cast out devils. You were, you were one of those that, that, that gave your boat. You're that one. You gave your boat to Jesus and he would go out and, and he would teach and then he would give you all those fish. You're that one. And Peter would say, no, I know him not. Come on, darling. And once again, a little maid would come up and say, are you one of those? And he would say, no. Jesus told Peter plainly that you would deny me three times. And the third time, a person would come up and say, were you one that followed Jesus, that walked with him? And he would say, no. And he would hear that rooster crow. If you're a believer, sin will hurt you. It will not be okay to you. If you're a Christian, it will not be something that you try to defend. It will not be something that you think is just fine. Sin hurts the Christian. And the Bible says that Peter, when he's seen Jesus walk out, He made contact with him, made eye contact with him. And when he seen him walk out, the Bible says that Peter wept and he wept bitterly. Bitterly he wept. But the Bible also says that Peter would be the first one. Well, not the first one. He would be the first one to make it after Mary Magdalene to the tomb. Yes. Looking for him. And I remember, I mean, I'm sure Peter remembers that when Jesus told him, you're going to betray me. Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Peter also remembered when he said, but I have prayed for you. I said, I have prayed for you. Jesus sits on the right side of the Father and He intercedes. He ever lives to make intercession. He's praying for you, child of God. He's praying. When you find yourself where you shouldn't be, He 
He's praying for you too. Glory to God. When you feel unworthy, He's praying for you. When you're, when you're doing what you shouldn't be doing and you feel bitter and you are hurt, He is praying for you. Jesus is praying that your faith, catch that, your faith fail you not. That doesn't mean you're not going to fail. You're going to fail. But what He's saying is even when you do fail, keep the faith in me. Don't turn away from me. The worst thing is when you do fall. It's not that you do fall, but when you fall and you don't get up. Come on now. A lot of churches want to kick Christians while they're down. But we need to start reaching a hand of mercy and of grace to them. Picking them up. Churches. And it's in this area. Some of y'all have been to some of them. Want to tell people how bad they are. Amen. You don't have to tell me how bad I am. I know. Amen. And you know deep down. Amen. But we need to be here. And Jesus prays for you. And Peter. Glory to God. He would find himself. As he seen Jesus and after he'd resurrected, it had been a few days since they had seen him and he would find himself back on the water fishing. Now, I don't know if he was just going this time for fun, but he said, I'm going to go fishing. Yeah. And they said, well, we'll go too. Amen. So he found himself back on the water fishing. Maybe in another spot where he shouldn't have been. But guess who showed up? Amen. Guess who showed up? Walking on the shores. They couldn't catch anything once again. Peter done seen this before. And he said, just cast your net on the other side of the boat. Peter said, well, this side's fine. This side right here's fine. What's, what's, what, what does it mean? I mean, if I take it from this side and put it on that side, how's that going to help? Well, it ain't going to help if I tell you to, but if Jesus tells you to, I said if Jesus tells you to, and Peter began to know and realize who it was. So he jumps out of the boat once again and begins to swim to him on the shore. Glory to God. And Jesus would sit with Peter. And this is the thing right here you got to remember. If you love Jesus more than anything else, if you love him and if you put him first in your life, you are making the best decision that you can ever make. There may be things calling you all around this world, but if you'll put Jesus first as the love of your life, Above every relationship, Amen. above every everything, every hobby, everything. If you'll put him first, it's the best decision. Yes. And he said, Peter, do you love me? Come on. Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And he said one more time, Peter, do you love me? I love you, Lord, more than anything. You know that. And one more time, 
This is what he's asking you today. Yeah. Don't be ashamed, even if you've fallen short. Don't be ashamed to tell him you love him. Amen. Don't be ashamed to reach back to him. Because you're not the only one. And he said one last time, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord. And he said, well, feed my sheep. And he told Peter that you would take this word. You would take this trial that you would face. And that you would feed it to the brethren. That you would share it with the brethren. Peter would write these words. Think it not strange. Think it not strange. Beloved. He's talking to Christians there. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Which is to try you. Yeah, we'll be tried. He's not saying. Well it might happen. He's not saying well. It's 50-50. He's saying it's not going to be a strange thing. It's not going to be an odd thing for you to experience the fiery trial. Now I won't be much longer. Give me a few minutes. He said, don't think it strange, beloved. He would tell us earlier in this chapter how important the will of God is. And let me tell you, if you're in the will of God, there will be trials. Amen. Don't ever think that once you get in the will of God that it's going to be smooth sailing. But you will endure and face hardships and trials. But let me promise you this. If you're in the will of God, it doesn't matter what you face. God is with you and He is in control. He is in control. He does not let anything happen to you that He does not allow or prepare. Let me give you an example. There was a man in the Bible named Job. Job was possibly one of the first books in the Bible written. Boy, how would you... Think of it even better. The first book of the Bible being Job. Uh -huh. Even though it's Genesis. They believe it was one of the first ten. Yes. The Bible goes on to say about Job. That he was. It says in a land. There was a man named Job. And he was perfect. In all his ways. Now that didn't mean he was sinlessly perfect. It just meant that he was perfect in his efforts to serve the Lord. It meant that he loved the Lord more than anything. And it says that he was upright. There was none like him. Uh, many scholars believe that Job was possibly the richest person in that part of the world at that time. He was blessed by God. And the Bible also says that he hated, he despised evil. He hated it, he despised it. But then it also goes to say, that there was one day at the throne of God that the sons of the Lord would gather themselves and Satan would also come before the yeah. Lord. Amen. The Bible says he's an accuser of the brethren. We see here as he would go, like, I mean, God gave us this example. He showed us Satan literally came before his throne. And the Lord would ask Satan, what have you been doing? He said, he's been going up 
and to and fro through the earth, all over the earth. Just like Jesus would say, he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Peter would say he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He was going to and fro. And God, we think of this. Job, remember, perfect. The, 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 maybe the only one that loved God at that time. Maybe the only believer in the world. And God would look to Satan and he would say, Have you considered my servant Job? Now, I don't know about y'all, but if I was Job, I'd say, Lord, hold on a minute. Wait just one second. Hold your horses. But Satan said, Job, he just loves you for naught. He loves you for what you gave him. What you blessed him with. He loves you for all the blessings you gave him. It's not you, Lord. And the Lord would say, okay, you can try him. But Satan would then say, well, Lord, I, I can't. You've got to hedge around him. The Lord would say, well, you can do this, this, and this. Now, this is what I said all this for. You can do this, this, and this, but you can't touch his body. God sets the parameters. Y'all didn't hear that. God sets the parameters. There's a hedge about you. And only God can lift that hedge. Now you can go out of the hedge, of course. You can leave the Lord and, and seek after worldly things and get out of the hedge. But if you'll keep your eyes on Christ, Satan cannot come in the hedge. doesn't mean he won't come. And that doesn't mean you won't have a trial. But you can rely and be assured that God is in control. He sets the parameters. Well, I've just been preaching for 30 minutes. i got another 30 in me. It's just Wednesday. It's not like y'all have to work tomorrow or anything. Job. But listen to this. So Satan would go and he would attack Job. Job had ten or seven boys, seven sons, and three daughters. Yeah, come on. Now, the Bible leads us to think that they were not saved. But either way, Job still sacrificed for them and said, Lord, save them. He prayed them. But Satan would go, and the Bible says Job had all this cattle, all these camels and all, all kinds of sheep. That was a sign. That was what wealth was in Bible days. When you had all these animals, when you were blessed with all this land, that's what wealth was. That's what blessing was. And he had all this. But the Bible says first, here come this enemy and took all his camels. Destroyed all the servants that was watching the camels. So here come a servant that got away and ran to Job and said, listen to what has happened. But right in the middle of that one talking, here come another one running in. And he said, you're not going to believe this, but fire came down from heaven and consumed all your sheep. And then another one came in and said, you're not going to believe this, but all the cattle, they've been killed and destroyed. And Job is hearing this and that and this and getting punched this way and punched that way. Some of y'all been there. But then another, the last one comes in. 
and says, Job, your sons and your daughters was partying. They were in some kind of building structure and the Lord sent a wind and that fell down and killed every single one of them. Now what does the Bible say next? The Bible does not say that came after that, I believe. The Bible does not say that Job quit. Turn to Job 1 if you really want to see. I'm going to turn there and read it to you. It comes right before Psalms. And I'll read verse, and it's in chapter 1 of Job, verse 19. And behold, this is what I was telling you about with the, uh, with, with the sons and the daughters. And a servant came in and said, Behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only escaped to tell you. This is what the Bible says. It doesn't say that Job quit. He may have wanted to. It doesn't say that he threw in the towel. It doesn't say that he, that he pouted. But it says, Then Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground and worshipped. He worshipped. He said, Lord, even though you slay me, I will bless you. Even though I've lost everything, I know that in you is my hope, in you is my joy, in you is my life. And the Bible says, and he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return from here. What does that mean? Listen, don't get your eyes on this worldly thing. Naked have you come, and naked shall you leave. And the Lord had taken away. And, and the Lord had taken away. Blessed, he said. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Job never cursed God foolishly. Now, we have records, all of us. I'm not asking you to bring them out. I never think we should. But we can remember back in a time when we didn't handle this quite like Job did. Amen. I don't know about y'all, but I can. Amen. I may be preaching to y'all, but I can remember. Amen. I'm glad y'all weren't there. <laughs> but... We can know, just like Job did. I may have lost everything, but the greatest thing I still have, the one that matters most, the one that is able to comfort me. And later on, Job went to his friends. And I cannot stand Job's friends. They were a bunch of, I mean, pitiful. Read the book of Job. But later on he did, but in the end, he kept his faith in God. Amen. Satan comes not to, now catch this, Satan did not come for his cattle. He could care less about his sheep. He could care less about his sons and daughters. He could care less about all the land. He came for his faith. Amen. He's not coming for your finances. It might look like it to the natural eye. He's not coming for your, 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 your 
whatever blessing it may be or whatever it may be. He's not coming for that. He's coming for one thing. Your faith in God. Your faith in Christ is what he's coming for. Come on, darling. Am I, is, is this okay? Give me a few more minutes. Paul said, I fought the good fight of faith. Amen. It's not. You can, you can do everything you can think of when you go to a trial. Name it. You can go to the best doctor. You can go to the best counselor, and counselors and doctors are good. You can go to whatever. But in the end, those things will fail you. When everything else has failed you, when everything else has left you sitting dry and bone dry in the middle of the desert, Jesus is there. I said, God is there. He is there. You want to know what will stand when you can't? This is good. Do you want to know what will stand when you all cannot stand? Your faith in Christ will help you stand. Peter would say, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials that are to try you. To test your faith. That would be a good translation there. To test your faith. And he would say as though something has happened to you that is strange. But he would say this. I love that word, but. You can preach a whole message on but. And I'm talking about. My dad preached it one time, but God. Amen. You can preach a whole message on that. Yes. You can preach a whole yeah. month on that. On. The Bible says, but rejoice. Rejoice. I'm closing. The Bible says, but rejoice. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I face a hardship... It doesn't make me want to go, hallelujah, praise you, Lord, I thank you for this storm. And I don't ever really find myself praying, Lord, just send me a trial, please. Please give me a mountain to climb, Lord. I just want to so bad. Now, some of y'all might be real holy and you might do that. Some of y'all, I mean, you might say, well, bless the Lord. Give me the biggest mountain there is. Give me the biggest trial there is. Don't bite off more than you can chew. But the Bible says, but rejoice Amen. in these things. And I'm closing. Mom, come to the piano so I can make everybody feel better. I'm closing. When I ask Mom to come to the piano, smiles a lot of all of them. She's She said, she, hey, she told, listen now. She told me last Wednesday, why'd you end so early? Why? And she went longer, and I'm just listening to her. Come on. Bless the Lord Jesus. Flipper. I'll put my flipper on y'all and know who I am, and then I'll preach another hour. I did that to get a laugh. I was daring to do that. 
falls out of you. It's gone. Understand this. Rejoicing. James, that's where I was at. James, I love what James said. I preached my first message on this. First message ever. It was right after Dad's birthday. And I preached a good one on my dad's birthday. I said, Dad, when you face temptations, you better count it all joy. That's what I said on his birthday. It's your birthday present. And James said, Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation. Now think of that. James, this is in James 1. I'll scroll down to it. I got it on my iPad. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. That word divers means any kind of all temptations. And he said, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Do you want to know what trials and testing of our faith is for? To make us perfect and entire, wanting nothing. To show us how able God is. To, to build our faith. To realize, well, God, if you brought me through this, I know you can bring me through the next one. To let me know, God, you're able. You love me. Even when I went through this, you was there when nobody else was. That's what I want you to see. He loves you. He cares for you. He will not forsake you. That's what the trying of your faith brings. When everything else is gone, it shows you that God never once forsook you. Well, I don't know about y'all, but that's about as good as I've ever heard. God never forsakes you. He said, carry all joy. The Bible also says that, that, that there has no temptation taken you that is not common to man. But this is why you can but rejoice. Hallelujah. It says, but God is faithful. You're going to go into temptation. Peter said, count it not strange. James said, count it all joy. And then he said, but rejoice. You want to know why you can rejoice? It's because but God is faithful. I said, but God is faithful. But God is faithful. That when you go, that he will not suffer you to be tempted more than you can bear. But with the temptation, he will make you a way of escape. But God. But rejoice. Keep on. Is that what you had on your heart? Hang on a second. You can rejoice in your trials. Trials will come. But I'm thankful that I have a but God on my side. I said, but God is faithful. You want to know something? But God never runs out. But God is faithful, never runs out. He is always, without a doubt, faithful. And this promise is made by Peter in the text that I read. He said that you may count yourself to suffer with Christ. That when His glory is revealed, you will know what that means? That means when He comes back to get His church. Peter is saying from now until then, you can rejoice because God is faithful. 
I said God is faithful. I said God is faithful. God is faithful. I want to pray before she sings. And you can worship or come to the altar or whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. But I want you to think of this. You may be facing something. There's some people in here that are going through a battle. I feel like there's a few of you that are facing storms that have, you feel like this one's almost got me. You're trying to decide where you're going to turn next. It may be, it may be in your family. It may be in your marriage. It may be in your finances. It may be in your health, whatever it may be. But God has given you a word tonight. He's saying, trust me. Keep your faith. As long as you won't let anything get your faith, Satan will not bring you under. Now, I don't want you to get the idea that I'm saying that some people fail because they just didn't have enough faith. I don't know why some things don't end up like we want to. I know that God's wisdom is greater than what we see. He knows what's best. There will be times when we will not understand the point. Now listen to me closely. There's going to be trials that you're going to face in this Christian walk. You're not going to understand why. Everybody else is going to say, you just need to question God on that one. You just need to ask the Lord why. You might have to just take a break from that Christianity stuff. But God never fails. And He is always right in everything He does. And He's telling you that He's with you. And you can rejoice in your trials. Heavenly Father, I come before you tonight, Lord. I ask that you would take this word, Lord, and that you would store it in our hearts. Lord, help us to know that you're with us, Lord, when nothing else is working, when everything else is gone, that you are there. Lord, help us to know, Lord, that we can trust you no matter what because your great love, like Jude would say, keep yourselves in the love of God. Lord, help us to keep ourselves in your love, to know that you love us so much, Lord, that you know what's right, that you know what's best. Help us to trust you, Lord. And Lord, you are the God of deliverance. The Bible says that many are the, the, the temptations, many are the trials of the righteous, but God delivered them all. And Lord, help us to hold on to that truth, knowing that you're able to bring us through. Lord, I ask that you would touch people's hearts in here tonight, Lord. You know who they are. You know what they need. You know what they're facing, Lord. You know more than anybody else, Lord. Lord, help them. Give them strength. Let them know you're there, Lord, and help them to trust you. And Father, let them know that you've never left them, that you've never forsaken, and that you're not going to start now. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. As she sings this chorus, just lift your hands. If you want to come up around this altar, if you need to just meet with the Lord for a few minutes, that's fine. As she sings this.
Man, 